Mark chapter number one, starting with verse number nine. One day Jesus came from Galilee, from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And Jesus came up out of the water. He saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Later on, as John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Father, prepare something right now unique and special for each and every one of us so that we can learn, can grow, be transformed, to become more like Jesus. In your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. One of the earliest training opportunities of life that most of us experienced is potty training. I say most of us, hopefully all of us have experienced that by the time you're sitting in here. From there, there's all forms of training as we grow into adulthood and then even as adults. Uh, I remember training how to hit a T-ball, play T-ball. I remember the training of learning to read, arithmetic. It goes on and on. As you get into teenagers, sometimes it's working part-time jobs, the training for that job, the training into college, the training to learn to play an instrument, the training to learn to play certain sports and activities or acting or dance or whatever it may be, training is involved. And training is a part of life, even into adulthood, having children, even if you didn't go through formal training or read books on raising kids, you went into active training when you had them. Training. Jen and I just spent 12 days in Israel. We got back recent, just shortly, and, and one of the things we know is that in Israel, a lot of the young kids go through intense training of learning the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the Hebrew Bible is our Old Testament, specifically the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. There was one specific school that trains young Jewish boys, which is quite amazing. Uh, they would spend every day, and I'm not talking five days a week of school, I'm talking seven days a week of school, 364 days out of the year. They take one day off. And these young boys, when they're five years of age, enter in, by the time they are 12 years of age or sooner, they can literally recite word for word the complete Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Come on, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I got a feeling there's no one in this place can probably quote one verse from Leviticus. <laughs> Pretty astounding. But Jesus, we don't know exactly his training method, Jesus' style that he learned from, but we do know as a Jewish boy, he probably at five years of age was given to the 
process of learning the Torah all the way up to he was 12, and probably at 12 years of age, went to begin to work alongside his father to help make his family a living. We don't know that for sure, but that's probably the normative of what happened for him. But one thing I know in the title of my message today is Training Jesus Style, and we're gonna look at that. Is behind me, there's three images uh, from this text that I just read. Is one is the image of the Jordan River. That is the Jordan River that you see. The Jordan River is not as pretty and clean as you would think of it to be, and it's not as large as you would think of it to be, but that is the Jordan River. The second image that I want to speak about today and talk about is the dove. Uh, it says that the Holy Spirit descended in a, like a dove upon him. And somebody asked me if I took that picture while I was in Israel. I said, no, I didn't. I got that off the internet. Um, and then the third picture is the Mount of Temptation. This is known as the wilderness. This is where Jesus would spend 40 days and 40 nights uh, being tempted of the devil. And so I wanna dive into each one of those. And first off, the Jordan River, which represents the water, which equals the process, the process. You see, for each and every one of us, we were, we started in water. Do you realize that? Do you realize at conception, it happened in water? In the womb of a stomach of a woman, embryonic fluid is water, encasing of that is where you started life. And for the first nine months, if you went full term, you were there. Not of your choosing, it was somebody else's choosing, right? And then you're born, you come out, and then the process over time is that you make choices on what you're going to do with your life. It's the same way spiritually, that it started in the water. The washing of the word, the baptism of water into life. And just like your physical birth was not of your choosing, your spiritual birth, though you said yes, it was not by your works, it was not by your effort, but it was a gift of God, it was by the grace of Jesus Christ. But when you come up out of that water, then you have a choice, what are you gonna do? Are you going to commit to the discipleship process? Are you going to become all that God wants you to become? You see, you cannot experience a life of purpose without the process. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter number three, another take on the baptism is Matthew giving, and he says this, he says, but John tried to talk him, speaking of Jesus, out of it. He said, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Now he's saying, we need to reverse the roles here, Jesus. You need to baptize me. I don't need to be baptizing you. He said, why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Interesting to note is that he says, we must carry out all that God requires. Jesus is speaking as an example and give an example of what we all must do. That we must carry out all that God requires. You see, the process is about growing into the person that God has intended for you to be. It is fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And the process involves layers of obedience. You see, you obey Christ by receiving him as your Lord and Savior, but the obedience doesn't stop. It's just starting. 
And every day is peeling back another layer of obedience. Right now, you may have been serving Christ for 20 years, but you know what? You've got to choose to obey God today. There's layers of obedience every single day as a follower of Jesus. And you are not in control of the process. God is. God is in control of the process. See, because we want to package it together the way we want it, and we want the cross the way we want it, and we want this Christian life the way we want to feel it and experience it. And he says, no, no, that's not for your choosing. Your choosing is to obey what God has given you to do. At age 12, we found a glimpse of Jesus. I love this story where his parents had went to the festival in Jerusalem, and you're traveling as a family. It's probably going to take a couple of, several days of, of traveling. There's a large group of people traveling together. And they get at the end of the first day and, you know, Joseph and Mary thinks that he's with some of the other family members and they get there and Jesus is not accounted for. And they have to go back looking for Jesus and they spent a day back looking for him by the third day found Jesus. And I can relate to that because I have been at times where when I was a kid one time where I fell asleep under the pew at church and both of my parents forgot about me. They went home. They both drove two different vehicles to church and one of them thought they had me. The other one thought they had me and they get home and they're looking around like, where's Rodney? Rodney's still asleep at the church. Well, about 30 minutes after the church is locked up, I wake up. I wake up scared to death. Come on, there's a, you talk about a scary place. Is being in a church when it's pitch dark and you got the seraphims flying around, you got angels flying around and they're showing up everywhere. Somebody look at, does that really happen? Well, in a kid's mind, you're seeing that. And they come back to get me. So I can relate to Jesus here on that topic. In Luke chapter number two and verse number 51, or verse number 49, it says that, did you not know I must be about my father's business? And in verse number 51, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was said with me, obedient. Well, said with me, obedient to them, obedient to them, obedient to do you realize, young people, that obedience to your parents is preparing you for understanding what it means to obey God? And it doesn't start just with children, it's kids or teenagers, it also goes into adulthood. Understanding spiritual authority and learning how to obey those over us is how we learn how to obey God and do what's right. In verse 52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all people. Jesus grew. Let that sink in for just a moment. God grew. He wanted to give you an example of what it looks like to grow. And he did. He gave us that. You see, growth is not always easy. It's never finished, but it is always worth it. In Hebrews chapter five, scripture says, even though Jesus was God's son, he said with me, learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned obedience. Again, this is mind-boggling to think about God learning. But let me just say something when it comes to learning, okay? Is that I don't wanna keep repeating the same problems and the same mistakes and the same sins. I wanna learn from past issues. Come on, we oftentimes are repeating the same issues again and again in the Christian faith. And we keep doing this for 20 years of being a Christian. We're just doing the same thing. Come on, at some point, we've got to get past being on the milk of the word. We've got to get into the meat. We've got to grow spiritually. We've got to become the things that God is wanting us to become. God has a plan for you. He wants to develop you. 
Jesus calls us to obedience. Jesus calls us to a lifestyle of worship, which is obedience. You see, worship is more than just a song that we sing and raise in our hands. Worship is a lifestyle. So you can come in here and you can lift your hands and worship Jesus all you want, but if you're not living for Jesus on Monday, your worship right now is in vain. Come on, we, we gotta be able to worship Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's not walking around with you know, headsets on and worship music and raising your hand. It is being obedient to what God is calling you and asking you to do, because obedience is a lifestyle of worship unto God. And God blesses obedience. God's favor is on those who obey. Secondly is the dove. The dove speaks to the witness or the progress. Just as a teacher confirms the progress of a student and they give grades, A, B, C, in my, it's, for me it's a D probably, they, they give grades. They give grades, the coach does, and you're on team A, team B, team C, and it's about progressing. It's, a, it's about the process of obedience and putting in the hard work so that you can experience progress and somebody will notice that. The band director puts you as chair three, two, one, whatever that may be. And the goal is that you do the process so that there's progress so that you will begin to be noticed by somebody else. So the dove speaks to the witness or the progress. Question for you is this, who are the spiritual leaders helping you monitor, measure, and motivate your spiritual progress? Who are those individuals? There's a young boy named Seth Durham who I remember as a kid, nine, 10 years of age, being in a family group that we we're a part of, always just listening, paying attention, and asking questions. And I told Shannon, man, this kid's impressive. Fast forward, he went to Oklahoma State, got a degree in engineering, then went to work for a firm, worked for a firm for a couple of years, but could not get away from the call of God. He resigned his position as an engineer, went to YWAM in Hawaii, and now he's on the mission field and our church supports him financially. That started because there was a hunger, there was a desire, there was giving himself to the process and people saw the progress in his life. In Luke chapter number two and verse number 46, notice what it says. Three days later, they were finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. This is Jesus speaking about Jesus and being lost. But notice he is listening to them and asking questions. That's powerful. I, I remember my dad, maybe no one else had this said to them before, but my dad, I remember, would say to me quite often, if you would just shut your mouth and listen, you might learn something. Anybody ever had that said to them? I had that said to me a few times. In verse number 47, it says this, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Because when you learn to listen well and ask the right questions, when you do open your mouth up to say something, people are gonna see your progress. Another question is, who are the people around you that notice your spiritual progress of becoming more like Jesus? Who are those at work? Who are those in your family? Do your children see your spiritual progress as an adult? Are your parents seeing your progress as a young person? Are, are your classmates seeing? Are the people you work with seeing the progress in your life? I, I think of this in regards to the story here. John the Baptist noticed Jesus. John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, six months older than Jesus, and he sees what God is doing in his life. 
He sees him as the Messiah. I don't, I don't know. About, and then so what he does, he says, he says this, behold, the Lamb of God. And, and then in chapter one, in verse number, verse number seven, it says, John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I am that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Now think about that for just a moment. That's his cousin saying this about him. I've got some cousins. I've even got a cousin on staff. I got some cousins that I'm around called off. I've never had one of my cousins look at me and said, behold, Rodney cometh. I've never had one of them saying, I am not even worthy to untie your shoes. You are so amazing. No, no, they make fun of me. They ridicule me. They mistreat me, but none of them's ever done that. And here is John the Baptist noticing. I got a question for you. Do people notice God's hand upon your life? When you go to work, when you're at your home, when you're around people in the supermarket, do they see something different about you and see God's hand on your life? Another question is, is there growing evidence of your spiritual progress shown in the development of the fruit of the Spirit? It says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Do people see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do they see love? Do they see joy? Do they see peace? Do they see patience? Do they see kindness? Do they see goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Those are the nine fruit of the Spirit. Do, do they see that in your life? Because here's, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I need the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't know what I'm gonna face this week, but God knows in advance, and he knows that I need the fruit of the Spirit. So what I must do right now is I must give myself to the process so that there will be progress. How do I give myself to the process? I give myself the process by reading God's Word. This morning, early, at 5.15, I read God's Word. I absorbed something, and I wrote something down. I prayed today. I worshiped today. Why? I am fertilizing the soil of my life. I am preparing myself so that there's gonna be more fruit in my life this week so that at the right moment, I'm gonna have exactly what I need for that moment. Come on, I don't know what I'm facing, but some of you this week, you're gonna need some kindness. Some of you are gonna need some goodness. Some of you are gonna need some self-control. Some of you are gonna need some joy when you face a difficult situation. And if you will prepare yourself right now through the process of obedience, you will have the progress so that when you get into the moment, you will bear the right fruit for that moment that's needed. Woo. Do it, God. And also, a question is, when do you sense God's pleasure concerning your spiritual progress? Did you hear what he said? The voice came from heaven, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Are you hearing that voice? Are you hearing the voice from heaven saying, you are my dearly loved daughter, my dearly loved son, in whom I'm well pleased? Now, if you're saying, Pastor, I don't hear that. I hear condemnation, I hear shame, I hear, so if that's the case, there's two things I want you to think about. Number one, maybe you have not asked Christ into your life and transformed your life and become a new creation. Because God does not come to condemn, he comes to set free. 
And so maybe it is that you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to become a new creation in Christ. Or number two, maybe you are a Christian, but the chaos of life and the business of life, all you're hearing is the voice of the enemy that's coming at you and constantly attacking you. And you know what you need to do then? If that's you and you're a follower of Christ, you need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ and realize that my God does not come to condemn me. He come to set me free. And that if I'm hearing those voices, I'm hearing the voice of the enemy of my soul. But sometimes we are too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus. But let me tell you, if you get the word of God and turn on some worship music and you sit there for long enough, you'll begin to hear a voice from heaven that says, you are my dearly loved son. You're my dearly loved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Now, he may challenge you to grow. He may speak to you a little bit, but that's only to make you better. It's to call you forward and to move you forward. Which brings me to the Mount of Temptation. This is the actual place that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights tempted. This is the wilderness, which equals the pain. The wilderness that equals the pain. When we were in Jerusalem, we went to the Masada, which is a historical place, just incredible story there. And then we went on to the Dead Sea. From the Dead Sea, we went through Jericho. Jericho is the, literally the oldest inhabited city, continuous on the face of the planet. There's been people living in this city for over 4,000 years. Let that sink in for just a moment. 4,000 years. How many years people have been living in Oklahoma City? It's called a city, you know, a little over 120 years maybe. Not long. But they've been living there for over 4,000 years. You drive through that city, you see the sycamore tree. It's not the original sycamore tree, but it's the one people take pictures by that Zacchaeus climbed up in to get a glimpse of Jesus. Then you drive through the town, you come to the Mount of Temptation, you see this, this is where Jesus spent those 40 days and 40 nights, and the wild beasts were there. There's no lions and bears now in Israel because they became extinct around, uh, not extinct, but no longer in that place around 1700s. But back then, there was tons of them around, tons. And it says in verse number 12 of Mark 1, then the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Some translations say led Jesus. I don't like that as well because I don't think it's consistent with the Greek word, which literally means to drive or to urge forcefully. So Jesus was urged forcefully into the wilderness, a place of pain, a place of struggle. Which brings me to this question. Who told you that God only takes us to easy places? Who told you that? Because I'm telling you what, you're going to have wilderness experiences. You're going to have painful experiences. But God uses the wilderness to test you. The devil's going to use the wilderness to tempt you. In other words, God is going to use the wilderness to make you better. The devil is going to use the wilderness to try to bring you down. God is going to use the wilderness to make you stronger. The devil is going to try to use the wilderness to sour you. God is going to use the wilderness to develop you, and the devil is going to use the wilderness to destroy you. Early on at North Church, we had a, a vision statement. It's longer than it is now. We've shortened it for people to really get it. It's, now it's what? Say with me, love God, love people, and follow Jesus. Even if it's your first time, you probably already got it down. Let's say it again. Love God, love people, 
follow Jesus. But when we started North Church, we were a lot more complicated. We were a lot more difficult, but we realized people couldn't handle it back then. And it was developing fully devoted followers of Christ who love God, love people, and follow Jesus. The key word to that is developing. Do you realize that we're all in developmental mode? We're always growing. We're always becoming. You haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. We're all on a journey. We're all messed up. But by the grace of God, we're on the process of becoming more like Jesus every day. That's who we are. That's what we're becoming. Shannon pointed out to me in this passage, it states that John was in prison, John the Baptist in prison. And John sends word to Jesus, are you really the Messiah? And what he's meaning here is like, come get me out of this prison. And Jesus sends word back to John. He says these words. He said, tell John in prison, go tell him that the blind see, the lame hear, the lame hear, the lame hear. No, that the lame don't hear. I guess the lame could hear, but the lame are healed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. But do you know one thing he left out? The prisoners are set free. He didn't tell John that. He had said it before. You realize a few days later, John had his head cut off. He died. And Jesus does not promise him he's going to set him free. Matter of fact, what Jesus does do after that, he says, and tell John this. He said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. You know, here's the problem in a lot of churches is we got filled with a lot of Christians that they are offended, easily offended when Jesus doesn't do life the way that they feel Jesus should do life for them. Come on, they didn't get that spouse that they wanted. Come on, I'm offended at Jesus. They didn't answer the prayers the way they wanted them answered. They are offended at Jesus. Their health isn't what they want. They're offended at Jesus. We live offended and we put a lid on our growth and we cannot progress into all that God is wanting to be and we cannot experience the purpose and plans that God has in store for us. <clears throat> you see, why is it that we think things should be easier grow easier as we follow Jesus. Ask LeBron James if it gets easier winning championships. No, he's had more injuries. He's had more struggles. It gets harder sometimes. Now, as a follower of Jesus, there's things that have gotten easier. I'm not saying that everything is hard all the time, but there's some things that just don't ever get fully easy. Pain and suffering is always hard. The wilderness is always hard. Stop trying to pray away your pain and start praying that God will do something great through your pain. You see, the pain has its purpose. We oftentimes want to be delivered from our problems while God is saying, I want to develop you through your problems. Because you see, your pain is God's platform to do something amazing. God says, I will use it. If you'll be looking and you'll be letting me, I will show you how I'm going to use it. You see, being chosen isn't about welcoming a comfortable life. Being chosen by God is about inviting a crucified life. Galatians chapter 2 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The process will take you through times of pain. But the product at the end is always worth it. Did somebody hear me? It's always worth it. Another story of Jesus going through in Luke chapter four, 
in verse number 13. Jesus had finished his 40 days in the wilderness, the Mount of Temptation, in the pain. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next, say it with me. Say it with me. The next opportunity came. One more time. The next opportunity came. Do you realize he will leave you today while you're standing here in church and leave you alone for a little bit? But Monday morning, he will hit you head on. Come on, that, that's the way Satan works. He knows when to leave you alone. He's like, you're showing up to church. I'm gonna mess with you all the way to the church, try to get you, and then like, I didn't keep them from going to church. They showed up to church. They're worshiping Jesus. I'm leaving them alone right now. There's no, no need to mess with them right now. But once they get out of church tonight, I'm gonna mess with them. Come on, you can count on it. The devil is trying to bring you down. He's trying to bring your marriage down, your job down, your health down. He wants to cause you to trip up and fall. But I'm not gonna be one of those that's gonna give in to his problems and his temptation. I'm gonna continue the process of obedience. I'm gonna continue the progress of growth so that whatever pain comes my way, God is gonna use it as a platform for his miraculous power. I'm not done here. Verse number 14, this, this is why I almost got, I got sidetracked for a second. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. And how did he leave the wilderness? Read it with me. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Read it again. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Would you read it one more time and act like you mean it? Here we go. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Woo! I'm telling you. Oh, what the devil meant to destroy you, God is developing you. You're gonna come through the pain stronger than ever before. Come on, you're gonna come through it. What the devil meant for evil, God is gonna turn it around for your good and His glory. My God is more than able. Come on, what He is trying to do to mess you up, God says it is going to be an opportunity for Him to grow you up grow you up. My God is working right now. Stand with me. Stand with me. Let's give Him the praise. Come on, lift your hands right now. God, do a work in me. God, do a work in me. Come on, if you're facing some pain right now, leave your seat. Come to this front. If you're facing a wilderness right now, leave your seat. Come to this front. Get close. I want to pray over you. We're going to pray over you. You're facing a battle. You're facing a struggle. Step out of that seat. Come to this front. Holy Spirit, do a work. 